IMB podcast brought to you by the communications office and student media cell of IIM Bangalore. The podcast series aims to become a platform to discuss the latest business, economic, management and social issues that matter. The podcast will witness IIM Bangalore fraternity including but not limited to the faculty members, students and alumni provide their insights and perspectives to the topics and issues that surround us. Much is said about the for-profit new age business models and their product and service innovations, latest technology, customer centricity, value creation and appropriation and more than anything their rising valuations. In the midst of all this, there is a new breed of businesses that are walking a tight rope by creating enormous value via solving some of the fundamental accessibility and affordability challenges for a customer segment that is usually ignored for its suppressed purchasing power and lack of disposable income. Professor Saurav Mukherjee from the Organizational Behavior and Human Resources Management Department of IIM Bangalore in his recently released book Inclusive Business Models Transforming Lives and Creating Livelihoods details the journey of some of these inclusive businesses that are a hybrid between for-profit and not-for-profit organizations. The book through case studies illustrates how these organizations are addressing the needs and wants of the bottom of the pyramid by applying business principles. In this episode of the podcast, Professor Saurav Mukherjee helps the listener understand the fundamental characteristics of inclusive businesses and the various challenges faced by them. While illustrating the need of such models, he also details the crucial role of leadership in creating the right culture in the organization to deliver maximum societal benefit. Welcome Professor Saurav Mukherjee to the IMB podcast. It is a pleasure hosting you. Thank you. Uh, thanks to the Media Cell and the Communications Office of IIM Bangalore for giving me this opportunity to share my thoughts on a subject which is very close to my heart, that is inclusive business models. Professor, we are also very excited to explore this relatively new topic. Let me dive into the first question. We would like to begin by understanding what are inclusive business models and what are their features. Also, isn't inclusive business an oxymoron considering the argument that businesses have always been focused on profits and organizations that take up causes like inclusivity have been mostly not for profits? Yeah, I think it's a very excellent question to ask. Uh, inclusive business models by definition are financially sustainable organizations which are addressing the needs of the poor as their primary objective. Now, when I maybe about 15 years ago, when I was first looking at this entire domain, I also thought that addressing the needs of the poor or largely addressing development needs of the society is typically done by not-for-profits or by the government. But this is a new breed of organization where the primary argument has been that can we apply business principles to solve mankind's toughest problems, which are in the domain of poverty, maybe sometimes in the domain of environment and many other social issues. And the idea here is that at the heart of it, can I establish a financial model which will not make me dependent on grants and charities? So that's the whole notion behind a business model. So if you are talking about a traditional organization, 
they want to maximize profitability or shareholders wealth while not doing any harm to the society and operating within the legal boundaries of the nation for inclusive business models it's probably the other way around they want to maximize social impact while making sure that they are at least breaking even and remaining financially viable they don't want to maximize profitability they want to maximize social impact and that is where the notion of inclusivity comes in thank you professor i think it is a good start for our listeners who are trying to grasp the fundamental of inclusive businesses professor you just mentioned that how societal impact is the focus of these business models but why is inclusivity important also there is a general perception that governments are responsible to cater the needs of the base of the pyramid why do you think private organizations businesses have taken up this cause is it something to do with the fortune at the base of the pyramid yes so let me try to answer one by one first and foremost why is it inclusivity important that is simply because if you look at a country like india we have a whole lot of social problems to solve and although we have done quite well in removal of poverty during the last 20 25 years there is still a lot of people who are poor who are struggling to make both ends meet and we need to ensure for various reasons that they are able to live a life of dignity yes it is traditionally the role of the government to address the needs of the poor and that's why this whole idea about taxing people who are economically privileged so that the taxes the government can use that money collected through taxes for addressing the needs of the poor however as you know because of various reasons the money that the government collects is not enough they have to invest in building roads government have to invest in defense and as a consequence there isn't enough money going around to address the various needs of the poor that are not being addressed by the market forces so we need something else we need to either help the government or we need different organizational forms who can actually solve the needs of the poor the other important part about inclusivity or inclusive business models is to say that the private sector actually have a lot of talent and knowledge to solve complex managerial problems if you think of <clears throat> our agricultural supply chain we create a lot of wastage there are a lot of inefficiency because there is too much of intermediation in the agricultural supply chain as a consequence the farmer who is growing the crop gets a very small percentage of the price which you and i pay at the market for the product that the farmer is growing now this is largely because of the inherent inefficiencies now if you think of a private sector company they are expert in solving these kind of problems so if we can involve companies which are running businesses to solve some of these problems the idea here is that maybe we will come across very good solutions yes it is a difficult thing because we are trying to marry the efficiency focus of the private sector with the development objective 
of the not-for-profit sector. And that is why we are creating this domain called inclusive business models. To some extent, you are right. It was given encouragement and Philip by Professor C.K. Prahlad's hypothesis about the fortune at the base of the pyramid, where he very powerfully argued that if you look at the poor people, whom he called to be located at the base of the economic pyramid as a market, then private companies would be enthused, encouraged to create products and services for the people who are very poor. And he also showed that there is a possibility of making profits in these markets if the products and services are well designed. And because there are a lot of people who are poor, companies will be able to make reasonable amount of profit. So that is what got a lot of private companies excited and engaged with this segment. But as you will notice that over a period of time, we have also understood the limitations of the market approach to looking at the base of the pyramid. So it is just one approach that should you look at the base of the pyramid or should you look at the poor people as a market. There are multiple ways of looking at it and that has led to create different solutions addressing the needs of the poor. Having understood the importance of inclusivity and reason for organizations to incorporate developmental goals, my next question is about the evolution of inclusive businesses over time. So, Professor, as per my understanding, the earliest examples of inclusive business models have been about multinational corporations tailoring their products for the low per capita economies. However, the prevalent models are much more focused on leveraging the unmet needs like Vatsalya Hospital, Selco and Gyanshala trying to create accessibility to proper healthcare, electricity and education. So the question is, does this reflect a change in the inclusive business landscape? How have inclusive business models evolved and what is driving their transformation? So if we think about Professor C.K. Prahlad's arguments, then certainly he was trying to encourage the multinational enterprises to look at the poverty markets and design products and services to address the needs of the poor. But as I said, that is only one part of the story. So yes, there are multinational organizations, for example, very notably GE, who were designing products, something like an extra machine for markets which are under-resourced, where the infrastructure is not good. How can you use this X-ray in an Indian village where there is a lot of dust and there is no air conditioning? And yet there were also other people working to create products and services for the poor. And the best example is Grameen Bank and Mohammed Yunus. And if you actually look at the days or the dates, you will find that this was probably happening almost at the same time. While Professor Prahlad was talking about fortune at the base of the pyramid, Mohamed Yunus was going and establishing the Grameen Bank model where he was showing the world that you can address the micro lending needs of the poor and create a very financially strong banking model. And over the years, what we have seen is that the local solutions 
the companies which have emerged more from the grassroots have been able to address the needs of the poor in a much comprehensive way than probably the multinationals. Yes, there are some very well known examples of multinationals creating products and services for the poverty markets, but because they are mostly for-profit enterprises which will have to justify their financial performance to a whole bunch of shareholders, they often find it difficult to make that as a primary objective or to make that as a mainstream activity of the organization. So the local companies which are structured as an inclusive business model have been able to contribute a lot to the space and most of the examples of success are derived from such companies. So I would think that that has been the first realization and evolution that it is very difficult to come from outside the domain with the product and service that can address the needs of the poor. You have to be deeply embedded in the context to create a product or a service that addresses the needs of the poor and more importantly that can create a long-term sustainable impact. Professor, as you mentioned that businesses that have started locally or are curated from grassroots have found it much easier to address the different problems and create much more impact. So this leads me to my next question about scalability. Uh, here the question has two parts. Firstly, inclusive business models are generally less known and sometimes limited to a particular geography. Is this an indication to a structural weakness of such models where scalability is an issue? The next part of the question is specific to the challenges that an aspiring entrepreneur can expect to face while starting her or his own venture in this space. Any word of advice for these entrepreneurs from your analysis of such business models? I won't call it a structural weakness, but I would call it a structural characteristics. The problems are very context sensitive. So yes, it has always been a challenge to scale the organization or to pick up a solution and apply it elsewhere. There is a strong need to understand how the local conditions can be kept in mind before you are designing a solution, before you are designing a product or a service. So we will come to the scalability issue a little later, I guess, but it is true that these are segments where people will always find it difficult to pay. Pay for the product and service that you are selling them. And as a consequence, to make it financially viable, you will not only have to think of a viable product, but you will also have to think of accessibility. How do you reach the products and services to those people? You will have to think of how do you overcome the information asymmetry problem because this is not like an urban market where people can know about products and services from advertisements. You will also have to think of how do you arrange for financing, how do you arrange for services. So you will realize that to sell this product and to make it financially viable and yet at the same time to make your organization financially sustainable, 
you have to work on multiple fronts and hence there is no cookie cutter or a standardized solution you cannot create a franchise like a mcdonalds which you can keep on replicating in different locations because standard solutions are not going to solve so many problems at multiple levels and hence the dominant view that is emerging now is while there is always scope for transfer of best practices a social entrepreneur must be ready to adjust and adapt their model to the local conditions so that brings us to your second part of the question that if there is a aspiring social entrepreneur who wants to create an inclusive business model then what would be the advice and i am very wary of giving advice to anybody but let me just try to rephrase what i have heard from the real social entrepreneurs which i am not and the first thing is that they would say please get enough experience first hand about the domain if you want to solve a healthcare problem if you want to solve a problem in the education sector then make sure that you have reasonable amount of experience working in under resourced and underserved markets in this particular domain which of course means that you will need to have a lot of patience a lot of perseverance once you start the organization you will always have a challenge of finding talent because very quickly as you build an organization you need to recruit people for various roles and it is difficult to attract talent simply because in order to establish a viable business model your ability to pay high salaries will be limited and hence you will have to find people who are joining your organization for a strong passion to solve problems and for them the salary so long it meets their basic needs is good enough it is not easy to find such talent on a long term basis the second advice would be that one should be ready to learn from mistakes of other social entrepreneurs and that is why working in some social enterprises before someone jumps into their own organization before somebody wants to create their own enterprise is a very strong advice because it will tell you the challenges of the sector i know that selco runs this boot camp or a training camp for potential social enterprises and the general experience is that after spending a month or so many of these social potential social entrepreneurs actually drop out because they understand how difficult it is to be in this sector so and the third point would be that seek out mentors seek out support because this is going to be a difficult and lonely journey of course with your own passion and your own urge to solve the problems you will move forward but it is always helpful to have support to have mentors who will make your journey that much bit easier professor as you mentioned that the constraints of this sector require innovation at multiple fronts is this applicable to organization structure of inclusive businesses 
does focus on societal impact require organ organizations to be created from scratch with different processes roles and goals or can an existing company adopt objectives of inclusivity while continuing its current structure so i would go with the kind of organizations that i have mostly seen which are creating positive impact and i have seen the successful organizations in the domain to be mostly designed from ground up uh, because there is something in the culture in the leadership in the dna of this organization that makes people focus on solving the problems rather than worrying about you know profitability and market share so yes organizations need to be designed ground up to be an inclusive model an inclusive organization but i would tend to think that there is another category of organizations who are creating inclusive business that is the not for profits now for the not for profits the challenge is a little different they have been initially structured not to focus too much on the financial parameters not to worry too much about efficiency because they are focusing on solving the social problem and their model is that whenever i need money or as and when i need money i will find a donor and i will raise that money moment you want to create an inclusive business model you have to keep two objectives in mind one i am solving the social problem but at the same time i will also have to do it in a manner so that i am a financially viable business so i would see that is also a second category of organization who are very well suited to address the needs of the poor because as i mentioned solving the social problem is in the dna of their organization what they need to imbibe what they need to adapt is their ability to focus on some of the efficiency parameters some of the financial parameters there is of course now the other trend which mohammed yunis is pioneering which is about for profit organizations trying to create inclusive business models this is what he is calling as social businesses and his argument is that for profit organizations especially large ones have a lot of resources at their disposal and if we can encourage them to come and solve social problems then they might be able to deal with the scalability challenge which just now we discussed has always been a challenge for inclusive business models so he is very hopeful about it and he is also talking about lot of examples and let us see whether you know we can reach a stage where there are large companies which are able to establish inclusive business models as part of the larger organization and they are able to scale that but as of now i think the organizations which are designed ground up to solve social problems seems to be in a best position to be in this domain professor as you briefly touched upon how leaders are essential in driving and drilling to its core the goals of inclusivity across different levels of businesses we would now like to shift gears and understand the role of leadership in the performance of inclusive businesses 
among the many business models that you analyzed did you find a common trait or motive among its founders or leaders asking this question to understand the triggers and inspirations for these gentlemen to take up a problem that governments haven't been able to solve yes i think even in for profit organizations leaders play a very decisive role more so in inclusive businesses because the evolution of the sector is such that we are not seeing very large organizations anyway so we are talking about relatively small or mid sized organizations who are focused on solving social problems problems related to poverty and leaders play a very big role your previous question where we discussed about the dna of the organization about establishing a culture in the organization which is focused on solving the social problem i mean how does culture come about a significant lever of creating an organization culture is the leadership role what kind of role modeling he or she is doing how he or she is able to inspire people now if you ask me that have i noticed some common characteristic among the leaders of the various inclusive models that i have been associated with or that i have been studying i find that these leaders are very passionate about the cause so they are very focused on the cause and there is something about them which connects them deeply to that cause and i would think that each of them had some experience in their lives which had made this connection either they have grown up in an environment where they have seen people struggling with a particular problem and later in life they have been in a position where they say well i will have to solve that problem so there is a very deep connection to the cause and and that kind of drives them the second thing that i have found is that they are very open to listening to others and i guess this will be true for all great leaders but especially social entrepreneurs at some level they are very humble they know that they want to solve a problem but they know that they don't have all the answers and very often the answers emerge from people whom probably they want to help or whom we might call beneficiary and if you talk to them they would say that i don't even know who is the beneficiary because i have learned so much from these people who are economically underprivileged and now i am just maybe translating that into a product and service and trying to give back to them so it's about humility it is about being able to listen to others and having this deep respect for the community with which they are working unless and until you have respect for those people you will probably think that i am supreme i have the solution and i will be able to solve problems for them that is not what how these people approach yes they do have domain knowledge yes they may have access to a technology which has the potential to solve some of the problems but they know that that's just one piece of the puzzle unless you understand the community unless you understand the genuine needs you will never understand how things can go wrong and so many things can go wrong when you are setting up an inclusive business model 
and humility being able to listen to others having a deep respect for the community and of course relevant domain knowledge all of these four go a very long way in making who they are i have also found them to be reasonably strong in their beliefs and these are they have this power of conviction and it is difficult to convince them unless and until of course you are you are having a very strong logic and like many innovators they have a reasonable amount of apprehension or what i would say disrespect for conventional knowledge so they have this courage to say that well this may be conventional knowledge but what happens if i look at it if i do something very differently and i have found so many examples in these organizations where i would tend that that is not something that i would be teaching in my class i mean in my class i would be teaching something as a principle but when i go to this organization i have found that the social entrepreneur has completely turned it around for example in selco harish would incentivize his sales people to sell smaller systems rather than bigger systems rather than selling more expensive systems and what is his logic he says that if i am incentivizing them to sell bigger systems or more expensive systems then they are not going to sell it to the absolute poor they are going to find out a customer who can pay for it and then the entire mission of my organization will get diluted so i think he has the power he has the conviction to challenge the conventions and that is maybe one more character which i have found among the social entrepreneurs who have assumed leadership role but at the end of the day these are people who are good communicators who can inspire people and who can make people commit to causes without worrying too much about the conventional benefits that we expect from our jobs and from our career thank you professor for sharing these insights and i think we appreciate the tremendously challenging role of the founders and leaders of inclusive businesses much more now uh, for our penultimate question we would want to take the concept of inclusive businesses at a global level and understand how are these models different in countries in terms of their focus and modus operandi are there striking differences in the scope of such businesses in developed countries so the answer to your question is yes because we are addressing the needs of the poor the business models the solutions are as we discussed very context specific so what you can do in a poor village in karnataka in india will not be same what you will do probably in united states economic conditions are very different here a poor person in united states is usually they have access to lot of social benefits whereas a poor person in india does not have it so the needs that are being addressed are very different we are talking of very different contexts but having said that i think the there are similarities across countries whose economic conditions are very similar inclusive businesses that you see in india have a lot of applicability in comparable countries in the similar economic strata for example if you think of 
the poor people in Nepal or Bangladesh or an African country. The other thing that I have noticed is that especially in developed countries, because they have a lot of social security, there is a missing middle among the poor. So there are people who are absolutely poor and they are typically surviving on you know, food banks and shelters. And then there are others who are not really poor by an Indian standard. I mean, they may be called poor, but they will still have probably a secondhand car and they are not struggling to make both ends meet and they do live in a house of their own. Whereas in India, we have this large section where, which falls in the middle, right? They are really poor and they do not have any kind of social support system. And hence, there is a big difference that when you're talking about inclusive business models in United States, they are addressing a segment which is economically better off compared to the segments that we are talking in India or we are talking in Nepal or Bangladesh. But we can learn a lot from each other. And there are many countries in the world which have large number of people very similar to the poor people in India. And hence these models have a lot of applicability world over. And it is not so much talked about, but I know that Indian inclusive models also have a very powerful story about exporting their models to many other countries all across the world. On a parting note, we would want to know your views on what lies ahead in the future for inclusive businesses with the growing focus on impact investing and penetration of technology in everyday life. Can we expect unicorns from the inclusive business space in this decade? Well, so I am not very sure about unicorns because you know, the narrative of unicorn is around valuation, which is not what inclusive business models would focus on in the true sense. Absolutely, there is no doubt that funding is important, especially for scaling up these businesses. But in our own country, we have noticed that there can be dilution of mission, what we call a mission drift, if organizations become focused on funding and valuation, which had happened in the microfinance or micro lending sector not so long ago. So the narrative should always be focused here on impact, but I think there are signs of hope because there is this investment community which would like to brand themselves as impact investors who are keen to invest in social enterprises. And if they have the right intention, then that will be a good boon for the sector. There are also this talk about how large organizations need to do a lot more for the society. And you would have yourself noticed that the terms like ESG, environment, social and governance have become a corporate talk of importance of late and such and therefore there is a lot more attention now on the social issues as well as on environmental issues and those are good signs many of the developed countries have also created stock exchanges for specifically social enterprises 
which can solve some of the funding problems because they understand that there is need for a financial markets and at the same time they cannot be same as the ones which are there for for profit enterprises in india itself we find a lot of incubators now coming up which are focused on the social sector and they will certainly be of great help because the power of incubator is often about catalyzing about networks about transfer of best practices so as we discussed this is a sector which is solving a lot of problems but they still remain very small because of the challenges of scalability and replicability and if we bring in the right kind of investment where impact is first if we bring in the right kind of facilitators then we should be able to replicate this model we should be able to scale this model and really make big impact so my way of looking at it will be that there will always be these inclusive business models which will probably be niche which will be small but they will be the one who will be constantly doing the innovations in the sector they will be doing all the experimentation and that will be like in our population ecology model random variations and then you have the big for profit enterprises and you have the government who will be able to look at all these variations and they should be able to pick up those models which they can themselves replicate and which they can themselves scale so my idea here is that we will always need these multiple kinds of organizations to solve the problem of inclusivity and even environmental sustainability there will be smaller organizations who will be experimenting who will be at the leading edge of innovation but these organizations will also fail very fast and not many of them will survive this is already there now what we now need is the government and the larger organizations looking at this young experimenting organization and connecting with some of their business models picking them up and be able to replicate as author abhijit banerjee and esther duflo have strongly argued in their book the poor economics no single organization form is going to solve these problems we need multiple organization forms as well as different kinds of people you know the leaders the passionate leader whom we talked about the passionate social worker all of them coming together to solve these tough problems that is confronting human kind today thank you professor we do hope along with you that the other forms of organization start getting much more involved in solving some of these toughest problems of mankind and lend their support to these noble forms of businesses with this we come to an end to this episode thank you professor saurabh mukherjee for your time this was a very interesting and thought provoking discussion it was a pleasure to host you for this imb podcast episode you are welcome